Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Over the Ball is brought to you by Soccer America. Soccer America, the soccer paper of record. Go to SoccerAmerica.com and sign up for your subscription today. And by Nella from Fit Bionics. The Harvard doctor has found a probiotic strain that is found in most world-class athletes. Not all probiotics are the same. More information on all our sponsors at OverTheBall.com slash sponsors. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn and Chris Shamides. Well, Chris, big, big uh, MLS week this past weekend. What a game. Um, you were, you know, with uh, your team, but I had a, a separate interview with Mike Oitola from Soccer America um, that posted today. But uh, he told me all about the game. I am incredibly envious that I, I missed the whole thing. It sounded like uh, it all just came together. The crowd, the game, the fans, the PKs at the end. I mean, it just seemed like I really, I was jealous. I was jealous I was not there. Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, yeah, amazing. I mean, I, I think it's easy, rather easy to say it's the most exciting MLS Cup ever. And I know there's that other question of, is it one of the most exciting MLS games ever? It's certainly a top tenner. You know, I think you've got San Jose Galaxy way back in the day where there was a huge comeback from 4-0 four, four down, I think it was. and I think you and I were sitting together in that game. Yes. Um, and I would also say this, though. Usually when a game ends in PKs, you know, like the 94 World Cup with Italy, it's, like, it's just not fun. It's not it's, – it's anticlimactic when there's no goals. But in this game, there were goals, yeah. comeback goals, and back and forth, and, and, uh, and yeah. then PKs. Yeah, I, I mean, you could talk about it for hours. It, it's a game where no one deserved to lose. Both teams, you know, the scoreline yo-yos, and you think one team's going to win, one team's not going to win, and then the, the narrative changes. Uh, I'm actually there, and, and I'm, I, I've got a couple things going on all at the same time where I, I've got my, my family's there, but we're also, you know, there was no parking, right, at this event. So we, yeah. we kind of parked off site. So I got to figure out the car after the game because I have my own college game to coach right after. And I'm like, look, if this goes straight 90 minutes, we're good. Anything else, I'm going to be stressed <laughs> for time. And then all of a sudden, absolutely everything that could go wrong in the game goes wrong. Or yeah, right, or right. And ambulance, <laughs> you have penalty kicks, you have yeah. extra time, and I'm just sweating it the whole time. I think I made it back to my pregame meeting with 10 minutes to spare. But, uh, it, but you, it lost, was, you lost some right. hair, and, and what you had went gray. I can't yes, stand those exactly. times. Exactly. But the crowd was nuts, and like I, we all were drenched in beer and soda. And I, like I even had to tell my college team, I was like, look, the score was three to three. That's six goals. That means – you know, if I smell like some common kind of combination of Diet Coke and Heineken, please excuse me, um, because it was the fluids were flying everywhere. And it was one thing after another. Like you, you thought the game was over three or four different times. Oh, uh, and then you have that's a, a, that's, a kick. that's an easy recipe for a coach. Oh, he was drunk. The coach was drunk. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. He said, no, I had a Heineken spilled in my head. Big difference. Right. Exactly. Um, but like you have a penalty kick where we all talk about, you know, John, uh, John Terry when he slipped in the Champions League when he had that yeah. penalty kick, right? Mm -hmm. We had one of those. We had a slipped penalty kick. We had a backup goalkeeper. We had, I, I mean, the game had absolutely everything in it. Oh. Down a player, Bale scores, and I was right near that goal when they scored. The place went berserk. It was wild. 
Uh, so let's back up. So, uh, you know, because you just mentioned a lot of the great stories there, the goalkeeping, uh, Bale, you know, coming off the bench. The, the guy apparently can't get steady playing time. He's just on the bench no matter who he plays for. It's unbelievable. And then he comes on and he's so impactful. I just don't quite get it. I don't know what's going on in practice. But um, so you get there, and I think it, it was a perfect made-for-TV kind of thing because the crowds looked fantastic. Everybody was going nuts. You have Magic Johnson there, Will Farrell. You know, it had the, the sort of the celebrity thing. It kind of reminded me of the old Lakers, you know, where you used to see all, you know, Bruce Willis in the locker room, which the players didn't always dig so much. You know, they worked their ass off all year, and then you're in there sharing the champagne and the and the trophy. But anyway, um, it had the pageantry that I think, you know, look, as as soccer people, we always – get very defensive and we always know like oh my god when you watch a game that's a good one in the right atmosphere at the right time it there is nothing better it is the most exciting thing happening um and i mentioned this with mike i had a real big huge sports fan hated soccer i got him tickets to the u.s against uh, columbia at the rose bowl and he just thanked me profusely still thanks me to this day years later he's an lafc you know fan and and uh, and a galaxy fan which i think is weird he just loves soccer in la but he was a convert you know and sometimes i think like if uh and i said this to mike as well which you watch some sporting events sometimes the super bowl is a real dog you know and then you sit with those idiots who like they want to watch the commercials but not the game and you're like come on and you know and and sometimes yes yeah, super bowl games are not great but it's the playoffs and everything that and the intrigue about getting there um, that is really the journey and you hope for a good game. Well, this was a fantastic game for a lot of casual fans. I'm sure we're tuning in to saying, I, I want to be there. And I think a big part of it is that soccer specific stadium, man, it just seemed perfect. Yeah. They probably could have sold the stadium threefold. And I actually felt for them because it's 22,000 people. They probably could have sold 60,000 tickets. Easily. Sure. Um, the demand for it was was huge. It was definitely, you know, in the LA landscape, everyone knew about it. The buildings in LA in LA were lit up black and gold. The Hollywood Bowl was lit up black and gold. Like there was a really cool uh, effort, you know, across. Did he got behind it? City yeah, got behind city it. got yeah. behind it, and and it was a cool event because like USC football was playing right after, right next door at the Coliseum, and so it was just an unbelievable event. But everyone was talking about it before, and then and obviously after. And you have the two first place teams, first place in the East, first place in the West. Uh, they and two contrasting styles, and we got an early goal which helped. You know, okay, it was a little bit fortunate that it was a deflection on a free kick from Acosta. But that opened up the game, you know, and full credit to Philly for what they do and how they do it, um, sticking to their guns, getting goals on restarts and whatnot, and 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 making it really difficult for um, the LFC back line who had to start Ibiaga. You know, they 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 don't have Segura, they don't have Fall, who's out in Spain now, and I don't know, they didn't choose Chiellini. I think partly because Philly can be so direct two versus two against your center backs, they didn't want to put the older player out there. So the matchups were really interesting. And then you get all the goals and the fan base was, I mean, it was a soccer crowd. Like you, yeah. you didn't they, feel, they knew it was know, going on. Yeah. Like, you know, like they say Super Bowl, sometimes it's corporate and whatnot. Like absolutely soccer people. And, and it was awesome. The atmosphere was great. Philadelphia fans were there. They had their own section. That was great. I mean, it was really an affair and, and I get, you know, sometimes I get emotional because like I went to the first MLS cup at Foxborough, you know, I was a grad student oh. at UMass. I asked everyone in my program, hey, you want to go? No one wanted to go. I drove myself right. across the state. 
sat in the rain and watched the Galaxy versus DC United. Two and a half and hours. Two and a half yeah. hours across the state. That's all. That's not bad. You know what yeah, it is? Yeah. Somebody in uh, in a Montana. That's a long ride. No, no, not, it not bad. It wasn't that bad. But yeah. you know, uh, it was one of those things where I went solo. No one wanted to go. And well, all these years later, we it, it's so much bigger and better. It's awesome. It's great. Well, you know th that speaks to the earlier point I was just mentioning where. Uh, you know, the New England Revolution play at the Patriot Stadium, Patriot Place there. And it's like, you know, cavernous and it's turfed and it's out in the suburbs and there are big, huge parking lots surrounding it. And it's just like for an NFL game, people know how to, to do it. But it's for a soccer crowd. It's totally different. You march to the games. It's small. It's intimate. Maybe 32,000 tops. You know, everybody's right on top of the action. Uh, games only 90 minutes. Um, so I think especially when you're trying to convince people uh, or have introduced them to the game, basically, and how great it can be, um, those things really battle against you. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. You, you could have, you know, Barcelona play in there and it just doesn't seem right. Yeah. You wonder because LAFC played, I think it was a friendly against a Mexican team a couple of months ago and they put it in so far. And they got 50, 60,000. Granted, right. a bunch of those fans were fans of the Mexican team. And it almost made me think, you know, of the revenue lost. Like, what if they had put it in SoFi? You know, could the 3252, the fan base of LAFC, still replicate what they did, what, what they could do and in exchange for the revenue stream? Because they could have triple sold that stadium. And on a given day, like when the World Cup comes, they're not going to use Bank of California. It's too small at 22,000, although it made for a great atmosphere. Yeah. You got to go bigger when it comes to a World Cup, and they'll right. do so far. And then you have the atmosphere there. You know, I, I saw two people stop for gas. The guy was watching the, the game in inside in his little booth. Um, and uh, when I stopped for an early dinner, you know, the guy had been watching it as well. And and he said, oh, my God, did you see the game? And I said, yeah. And and he was uh, he was Mexican. And I said, well, who do, you, who do you root for? You know, he goes, oh, I, I root for LAFC. He goes, I root for the U.S. men's national team. I root for Mexico national team and he goes i root for cruz azul and i'm like yeah. you are you are what we call an american my friend and this is all these yeah. wonderful choices that you get with with these uh with these teams so i think they've really done a good job i mean just the the club both clubs really because you know curtain had that east coast worker mentality coming out here the guys have to do a cross country trip and they didn't play like they were playing in an away game no they did a really good job of of you know putting themselves into the match and responding every single time, you know, to the point where they took the lead in the extra time. And, and I mean, I'm just amazing. I'm, it's amazing. I'm in the, yeah, I'm in the crowd, like getting ready to like, okay, I'm going to leave there. If they're doing the trophy presentation, I'm going to leave and they'll circle back and pick you up. I'm like doing all these things. And all of a sudden bail scores, oh, you know, man. and, and I'm picking up my kids so he can, cause everyone's standing and jumping and I've got him on my shoulder so he can see and it's like, you know, it's like a memory, you know, like I have, I was fortunate enough to, you know, remember that, that play G Derek Jeter made where he catches the ball and he flips it back to the catcher who tags out the player at home plate against the Oakland A's. It's a famous baseball play, Yeah. but I happened to be at that game to see that. And it's like one of those iconic plays. Yeah. We, we all left the stadium thing. Like we saw an iconic game. Like that's going to be a game that is forever going to be talked about. Well, the style of play, I thought. I, th I thought, if you remember that first MLS Cup, as opposed to this one now, um, that the level is there. It, it really was. Uh, you know, when you talked about uh, Kalini, um, you know, I mean, he has helped that team just 
with his presence, I think. And then you have Tarundolo as well. This is a sort of a, a newbie of a coach here in MLS, a team uh, that Bob Bradley helped build. And I don't think a lot of people thought Tarundolo was going to be able to take him to the promised land. And, and he did. He's sort of shown his colors quite well, very successful. What are your thoughts there? I mean, he did a great job, masterful job of coming into an environment. He knew, he knows a lot about who Bob is as a person, as a coach. So he had a very good feel for. He played know, for him, right? Yeah. He played for him with the national team for many years uh, and, and and got to know his work that way. And then remember the year before he was coach of the Vegas Lights, the USL team. And that was under the umbrella of LAFC. So he was sitting in on all the meetings that Bob was having. He knew the team very well. He knew the style of play, the game model, it's all these kinds of things. And I think his point to John Thorrington and management was, you know, there's a couple little tweaks maybe that I can bring to the table that helps. And I think he kind of buttoned a couple of things down defensively, maybe changed a few things uh, and found a way to keep everyone going in the same direction. Because bottom line is Carlos Vela, you know, is different now than he was two, three years ago. And so his role had to be modified and the, and, and the club management went out and added some really good pieces, but all these things have to be, molded together and and it's not seamless you know people moving their families and moving oh yeah across yeah countries and continents and and getting settled in it takes some time and even within that transition i think a lot of the work that bob did to get certain guys like cheeky palacios and all these other players um you know they all learned under bob and now they got solidified and they got to spread their wings under steve and so you know i think bob has a pretty big imprint of course on the club and, and, and is a big part of what happened the other day um, but Steve did a, a, a great, great job of getting them over the finish line. Uh, what was it? The mayor of Hoffenheim or something. I forget. What Hanover. Yeah. Hanover. Yeah. At Hanover. So, um, and I've always loved him as a player. And, um, I had actually posted on the over the ball, uh, Instagram account, a couple of, I was at a basketball game in New York, little tiny kids, uh, was maybe four years ago. And the two of them uh, were wearing Tarundula shirts. Uh, no they way. had on. Yeah. So I thought that that was great. Um, you know, better than a Neymar one. Come on, we need some American representation. So it was yeah. good to see. So you know, you know NYCFC, you know, very well. It's your team, you know, Bob uh LAFC. What? Yeah. LAFC, I mean. Um, what did I say? NYCFC. NYCFC. Um, but so what are your thoughts on Bale? Like what why does he not get time? Uh, I think you gave a reason why uh, Cialini was not in there, but um yeah, it's, you know, uh, uh, look, he's an enigma. You know, he, he's got talent that that he, you, you can drop him into the best Real Madrid teams and he's the most, most athletic guy on those teams. Yeah. So you can imagine what he looks like, you know, across MLS. Um, size, power, speed, um, smarts, the ability to to touch the ball in ways that, that are not standard for MLS, that are higher levels than even MLS. And so... He has been claiming that he needs to gather fitness. Um, if you want my opinion on the side, and this is not rooted in anything that I know to be factual, I, I think he's basing himself for the World Cup. Saving himself for it. Yeah, yeah. he's basing up his work rate. But, I mean, come on, the finals of a, of a cup final? I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, uh, you know, and what is it going to be in two, three weeks? He's going to basically be asked to play 90 minutes for Wales, right? Right, Yet right. he's only really playing in 20, 30-minute bites LAFC. I think he's only had a couple of starts. Um, and, and I'll be honest, in, in the 20, 30 minutes that he played in the final, I don't think he got to top speed very often. Uh, he was committed. I mean, he's clearing balls in defensive corners, making plays. I mean, he honestly can play 70% speed and still be effective. Right. Um, but at least in MLS. And, and he put himself in a spot on the last play where 
you know, he's going up against Elliot. Elliot's six five. Five, I think six yeah. five or four or five. And yeah. Bell is six one at best. And it, it, it's great for kids to see because it's all about the technique of how and when you jump and jump. Timing, first. but he got up. He got Timing, way up. Yeah. And he just like dunked on him basically. And it was yeah. The, the yeah, the stadium went wild. But and it's ironic because the ball comes from Palacios off the left and Palacios' whole career has been about uh, the delivery of the final ball. It's not always good enough, accurate enough, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Et cetera. And, and here he is, delivers a perfect ball for Bale to finish. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Philadelphia. I know you know Jim Curtin pretty well and about their style uh, and how they came into this game. Yeah, I mean, I think a really blended way of playing where there's, you know, they've got four four two. there's a diamond midfield in there and Martinez sits as the six and, and and they have some version of holding on to the ball, but what they really want to do is create some chaos and and, and this the forwards work so hard. Uh, and when you get time, when they get time and space to pick up their heads in the midfield, those forwards are going to run east west and try to slip in behind you and they're going to play a ball over the top. And unfortunately, uh, even the play where LAFC's goalkeeper gets hurt. You know, I, two seconds before the incident, I could see what was happening and the, the center back for LAFC was going to play a ball back, Mario. But, you know, they put so much pressure on you that he didn't hit a great ball back. And then all of a sudden, you're in trouble 50 with the goalkeeper and there's an injury, unfortunately, which is a shame because now this player misses the World Cup, Maxime Cripo. He not only gets hurt, he's going to be out for an extended period of time, but misses his chance to go to a World Cup. And he makes the play in order to, to not let up the goal. He takes the red card, but he doesn't give up a goal. Um, but they, they, were, they put so much pressure on your center backs. And I think that's why Keelani couldn't didn't play or wasn't selected to play. It's because it's not a game that's suited for him. Uh, they put Ibiaga there, who's younger, more athletic, and can kind of go back and forth all day long, although not the defender that Keelani is. But they're so good, big, strong, fast, put you under a ton of pressure, and they're really good on set pieces. And that kept them competitive the whole season. Nikolini said uh, he's he, that was one of the greatest atmospheres he's ever played in. And this is an international tried and true player, you know, World Cups. So, uh, so uh, a hell of a day, a hell of a day there. And um, and I think I love the media coverage. It was uh, I thought. They did a better job. Sometimes they don't mention it. It was in all the papers in the New York Times. It was in the LA Times. Uh, I saw a lot of online stuff. It it permeated the media world somehow. You yeah. A lot of times they they ignore it, but I think it was such a great game that they they had no choice uh, to do it. And yeah. I think it was a smart idea to do it on Saturday. Um, a good a good time. Um, you know, because like soccer has to go up against a lot. We're in the middle of NFL season. You're in the World uh, World Series as well is is happening. So. A lot of competition there. Yeah, I mean, the Saturday at one o'clock, it's awkward. You know, you, you mm -hmm. as a player on a marquee match, you're always thinking it's going to be a night game, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's typically what you do. But I understand you can't drop it on a Sunday because the NFL, like you say, and and now it's like, okay, what is the TV slot that they get? Um, you, you, the stadium has shade at certain part. You know, some of the field is in the sun, some of it's in the shade. It's not ideal, but thankfully the game you know, overwhelmed all those things and just kind of took over in that regard. So you know, it was funny about the weather. It's like, everybody's been calling me from back East, New York and Boston. It's been 75 degrees and sunny. And uh, here it is in LA, it's raining like crazy. So yeah, something's going But that day was beautiful. The final but, day was, was, was gorgeous. And because, all right. So those two teams, nothing to hold their heads about. Um, it's a fantastic game. And, you know, Paul Gardner had a great article and, you know, he's always a little skeptical about MLS stuff, and he just said it was an absolutely amazing game. There are no losers in that game. 
whether you're a player or a coach or a fan, it was uh, it was great to see. Even when they showed the remote shot of all the people in Philadelphia, just on a huge expanse of of uh, a land, just going crazy, you know, when the goals were being scored. I mean, what a what a game to watch! And I think it's a nice entree for us as we move, you know, into the World Cup, which is yeah. uh, which is on us now with this. Uh, it doesn't well, you know, LA. You're, you're an LA guy, so you know, like I said, with my New York living for the last 25 years, uh, it was always outdoor pubs, TVs, you know, everybody's shouting, you know, you walk by a bar and it's like, oh, that's a, that's a Ukrainian bar. Never knew that. You know, oh, that's a German bar. Oh, that's a, you know, oh, this is where the Brazilian fans go. And um, I'm going to miss all that. Well, I don't know what it'll be like. There's a place called Rocco's here in LA that supposedly shows the game. So I'm going to check. It's similar. Yeah. I mean, there's all these different bars. There's the bar in like Hermoso that George Best used to own. Bestie's bar. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's, there's these historic spots that you can go do watch games. And then you have, like you say, some, some are, you know, tilted towards, you know, this country or that country. So LA is big enough and has enough diversity that, that you'll get all that stuff. I think the, the idea being go back to the last thing about MLS cup is like, you know, you think about the, the, the lore of, of the game. Cause like, Look at the center back for Philadelphia, Elliot. He's the one that, you know, Bale gets on top of and gives up the goal. But yeah, he scored two goals in that game. He's a center back. He scored two goals in the game. He was minutes away from being forever a hero. The hero. Yeah. And now they don't they walk away with he walks away with nothing. And he He's got up to away. He, he got up too. He had good position. He just I think he fell forward a little bit, got, you know, I mean, this is what happens in the head ball, but he uh Bale was committed, got up, and uh, it was it was it was great to see. So with ten men, with ten men, with ten men, yeah. So uh, that added even more excitement. Don't, dude, you had to go somewhere afterwards. I that's why I I couldn't do it. I was like, I I might have been able to pull it off, but with uh, with overtime there in PKs, I would I wouldn't have it wouldn't have handled wouldn't have been able to handle it all. Uh, but I, I'm, I totally get it. I mean, I was I was tight for time. Yeah. And I'm like, what are the odds that this is going to go to this time, this time, this time, this time? And absolutely everything on the menu happened. And then I was barely making it back. But, you know, at the whole time I'm looking at my watch, I'm like, I'll make it, I'll make it, I'll make it. Soccer gods are with me. All right. Well, it's great to see MLS at such a level. And I hope this, like I said, is a good entree as we move into the to the World Cup, which is starting uh, 10 days or so, I guess, uh um, I'll be back on the East Coast. We'll do the over the ball from there. Uh, that first game, um, we're going to have um, do a special. Uh, we'll tell everybody now, but we're going to be doing a, a special World Cup edition of over the ball. So we'll be able to comment on the games right after they happen. Uh, we'll give you sort of the the roundup of what we saw, and, and Chris with his strategic mind will break it down. And you know me with my comedic mind, I'll I'll tell dick jokes. So it'll be a nice <laughs> it'll be it'll be a nice combination. What a blend. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I'm a little, I'm wondering, I think you're right. I think Bale's trying to get a base to just be able to play because look, he's training every day. Um, here is, uh, he, he got out there and, you know, got his heart rate up. So he's not going to be too far off and he's going to be pretty fresh. Um, a lot of these other guys are battling injuries. They're bad. They're tired. Bale just, I mean, he seems to play for Wales more than he plays for anybody else. I mean, t- you know, all 90 minutes um yeah it's interesting because even when he signed for lafc you know the the criticism was well he's only played in x number of of games and you know for the for wales he's played a ton of games and he's played 90 minute games so it's right. it's a weird thing that's going on that that he hasn't gotten a ton of minutes for club but he but he does for country and you know i, th- I think there have been so many players unfortunately that have taken some, some small knocks 
that on our team on our team oh, the US team. world oh right right yeah that that yeah. have that have now arguably ruled them out for world cup consideration or something that could heal in two three weeks normally you have the time for that and now without that you're talking about missing a world cup over a slight strain this whole qatar thing is just complete bullshit it's terrible it was yeah it was it from the from the get-go it's been horrible uh the only upside is we get to enjoy some fantastic soccer and some wonderful stories that'll be unfolding but uh that should have never happened as we all know yeah and they're asking now for social change and all these different things and i don't know at least from my perspective I'm like that you think things are going to change now with two weeks to go like that all ended the day you gave them the world cup so you know we are where we are at this point well, I love that, you know, say so you have to respect our culture, but then not respecting others' culture. Right? You know, I remember when George W. Bush went over to Saudi Arabia and they were holding hands with the sheik there. And I'm like, they're like, well, that's their tradition. I'm like, well, fuck, it's not ours, man. You know, they like, hold my hand. No, uh, we don't if do that. Do if you were president, well, you wouldn't do it? No, no, I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't. you would just say, look, I don't respect your culture. I'm not I'd say, yo, high five, sheiky. Uh, no, what I'm saying is you you have to respect other people's culture. So they're telling gay people that they can't be gay if they come to the games, which is absurd. Uh, you you know, you're not supposed to drink or you have to join a club or something like they used to do in Utah. Um, you they have a uh, when you get there, you can only use this certain SIM card or whatever that 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 tracks your they movements. Track you. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an oppressive regime. And well, I, I think it's the one of the better right stuff. Yeah. Like you have the human yeah. rights stuff, which have been there for a while that that's nothing yeah. new to people you know especially when they were putting their bid together i think the part that's been new and negative has been all the deaths that have happened you know in the building of these stadiums right they hired these migrant workers and treated and they them. take their passports away so they yeah. can't you know and then the government says well it's not us it's the uh contractors that we hire it's like well you're responsible for the contractors and their rules that's why everybody says you know government rules and regulations here in america well it's, you know before osha <clears throat> You know, my father was an iron worker working with asbestos. It was like, oh, well, you know, who needs government rules and regulations? You need them because people are idiots and yeah. they treat people poorly. So, yeah, it's and there'll be a debate. And by the time, you know, they'll just milk the clock. And by the time they'll just keep the dialogue going and the debate going and then the World Cup will be over. And it's that'll be thing, that. And it's the same thing they're trying to do with the golf, where they're just trying to purge their reputation through athletics uh, to give themselves a, a nicer rep. So, um, you know. Which is unfortunate. And I, I'm again, I'm so bummed I had. I had worked up in Ventura, California at a club, a comedy club up there. <laughs> I got, you know, Friday night was great. Saturday night was horrible just because this one woman just just heckled me just as I was walking up on stage. So it was like, mm. which is the worst time to get heckled because people don't know you, they don't like you or dislike you yet, you know. So and she's drunk and yelling stuff back and forth. And finally I go, Lady, I go, All right, so I'll focus on you for a minute because you want me to pay some attention to you? So I said, what do you do for a living, lady? She goes, I'm an assistant principal at a school. And I just lost it. I just lost it. I didn't know if I lost my temper, lost it, laughing my ass off. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I said, if your students saw the way you were acting right now, they would be mortified. And so would your parents. And she's like, fuck you. I'm like, okay, good comeback. But I you know, was telling you, the other thing she kept saying is like, how's that working out for you? Like uh, what? Like it doesn't make any sense. What kind of? It does put you on your heels a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You know? I mean, you might. I mean, through the years, you get experience, right? When you're yeah. when you're in the pocket on the stage like that, and like you know, do, do you get better at handling heckling? Yeah, you definitely do because you learn to either engage or ignore, depending on the situation. You you engage 
uh, a little bit and then you if uh, there's no sort of usually you're supposed to be embarrassed when when you just shout something out and and then i come back not in a mean way but kind of go say something to you mm-hmm. and then everybody laughs at you and then usually the person stops but if they're drunk there's sort of no no rules i mean it, it gets to the point where you have to eventually just ignore the person and in this particular situation the crowd started heckling her telling her to shut up and then some one nice woman stage left was like can can you just how about if you just talk to this side of the room? You know? And then well, there's a, there's an improv element to handling a heckler. I would. Oh imagine. yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Like, yeah. like certain comedians must be better, like maybe great writers and de- great deliverers of a joke, but not necessarily yeah. great at improv. Right. Like that could, exist. some guys don't want to do it at all. I, I kind of enjoy it sometimes, but you know, there's rules of engagement that are adhered to most of the time. And if, you know, I'm always going to win because you're you're funnier, you're sober, you're up on stage with a microphone and lights. And if all goes wrong, the bouncers throw them out. You know, right, unfortunately, right. there are no bouncers here. And then it's a woman, so it's different. And then she's drunk. And then basically, what you have to do is is start shitting on their friends. So their friends are like, you know what, Margaret, shut up, or we're leaving. That's what basically happened. They all went out and smoked cigarettes and um, were young outside. So, yeah, yeah. but I was, I was missing the game for it though. You survived it. I survived it. So, uh, all right. So teams right now, you know, you worked at MLS a long time. What happens now that just the, all the, uh, we got to wrap this up, but all these, all these trades uh, that the draft is not a big deal. Like it used to be, I think because the American player coming out of college, uh, we've screwed that up a little bit, but, uh, so it's not a big deal with the draft, but there's some player movement now. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, the next two months are about you know solidifying the roster, deciding who you're going to renew, who you're not going to renew, mm-hmm. um, contract extensions, and picking up options, and moving players, and releasing players. And it's only what two months uh, before yeah. preseason starts in early January. So Unbelievable. Go and then and then you have the the Concacaf Championship, right? So now the winner, certain winners like LAFC, now will be one of the MLS representatives in that. And, they drew against uh, the day after, actually. I think it was uh, Monday. They drew uh, uh, Valencia, I think it is, from Costa Rica. Yeah. So the, the, that's a pretty good draw for them. Um, so now you have these sent these CONCACAF teams uh, playing for the CONCACAF Regional Championship, Club Championship, which LAFC and, and MLS teams will take seriously because that's your opportunity and your ticket you know, to get to the club world championship and it could be a day where you play Real Madrid or something like that. So those are the kinds of aspirations that the big MLS clubs have. So they have to engineer themselves towards that. Seattle has done that successfully and they actually won it last year, but it was really hard for them because they paid the price with a subpar regular season because they were kind of going on a 12 month clock and never really got a break. So there's challenges there. All right. Sounds good. So, um, so that's, our announcement today, which is basically as the World Cup starts, we'll be in almost real time getting some some wrap up shows out to you there uh, in over the ball world. Um, so look for that. Um, World Cup's coming up, everybody. But this is very exciting. Um, Chris, your season's over uh, as a coach, but your season's really never over. You just said that the players have two months off uh, in MLS before the season starts again. They can't even take those two months off. You got to stay fit during those two months. Yeah. Just exactly. got to rejuvenate you and exactly. heal. You don't yeah. turn the switch off. You just you try to maintain because it's so much harder, especially when you get older, uh, as we know, to to get you know all the way where you need to get back to. Yeah, to or we we work. never get there again. But I know yes. what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. As we know, but so, um, all right. Well, good stuff. So we're gonna have to go into preseason for our World Cup show that we're gonna start pumping out 
Um, it'll be a quick wrap up 10 minutes. We'll we'll basically get you everything you need to know about what happened, what transpired and, and looking ahead. All right. So I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to working with you, Chris, on that one. Um, all right, everybody. That's all the time we have today on over the ball for Chris Shamity's. I'm Kevin Flynn. We'll talk to you next time. Cups coming up, everybody. Remember to download over the ball, wherever you get your podcasts and give us a like on Facebook and Instagram. Call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247. 